0: we just go ahead and start. (laughs) Okay, since you all have turned to Ephesians already, and I now have turned there, we will try to concentrate on that section, although I'll probably wind up in Corinthians somehow. This is about the unity of the church. There were divisions in Corinth, (laughs) and uh, Paul didn't want to see any more divisions happening in Ephesus, so that's how I'm getting around this. Anyway, God uh, God has uh, awakened us to a new life. God had awakened these visions uh, to uh, a new life. And He gives everybody all the power they need to live the Christian life. And the first three chapters shows what He's done. And we know that uh, He's given us everything we need to live now and... and uh, when we realize that, um, we can do these things. We can live out the Christian life that will represent Christ. And he has some characteristics of that uh, walk. We talked about walking worthy last week, that call to walk worthy. Started to get into a little bit of the characteristics. One of them's humility, and I think that's about as far as we got last week. So we did get into verse 2. Barely, I think. Why don't we have a word of prayer? Father, we thank You for this evening. Thank You for another time in Your Word and just to gather around at Your feet. And uh, we pray that Your Holy Spirit will uh, teach us these precious truths that You have. Thank You for Your great majesty and Your revelation to us and so that we can glorify Your name as we live out these particular characteristics and uh, live out the very power that you have equipped us with that will reflect the person of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, The call to walk worthy. Looked at that last week. We have a calling. And uh, the call is not only to salvation, but it's the call to sanctification. uh, Walking this out. These virtues that we have, uh, it's like about five of them there, uh, probably the most powerful testimony uh, of the church, uh, starting with humility, then gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, and endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. A matter of fact, it would be good to, to read that. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. We'll stop in the middle of that section. Four through six is dealing with the uh, the body of Christ. And this is dealing with the unity as we slide right on into... uh, uh, that section, but uh, humility. We said that this is really the opposite of self-esteem. Matter of fact, it's the very foundation or the hallmark of being a child of God. It's a foundational virtue for Christians. Lowliness, humility, and we said uh, last week the, the Jews, the Greeks, the Romans didn't really have a word for this, and it finally uh, appeared in the Greek, the the church basically gets the credit for that word, um, in, in, in the Greek anyway. It was uh, definitely foreign to their kind of thinking of the world at that time, and so Paul stresses humility so much. That's where everything is going to start for a Christian in walking this out. Um, Paul knew that. If you turn to uh, 1 Timothy chapter uh, 1. He starts in a way that uh, he has a right view of where he came from, who he is. He says, uh, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. So Paul knew well that he was a sinner. He had a self-awareness there of who he was then you take the example of uh peter in luke 5 peter is out fishing jesus appears on the scene and uh, of course the miraculous catch that uh happens there with peter and uh, the other fishermen been out in in the night didn't catch anything and then uh jesus says uh Stood on that side of the the boat and the other one, and uh, they started sinking. They filled the boat so much. And uh, Simon Peter recognizes who he is and he says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. That's uh, Luke 5 8. I am a sinful man. As he is appearing, as Christ is appearing to him, he sees him, and so because of looking at Christ, he recognized who he was. Peter says, I'm a sinner. You are holy. I'm not. Job, after all of that uh, testing that he had and God shows his sovereignty and his great majesty all the way through that uh, book, but especially at the end, Job uh, understands quite a bit more now about God as God starts asking him questions. Where were you when... 42.6, 42.6, Job says, Therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And that is a proper response of somebody who recognizes who they really are. And uh, that's, that's a humbleness. That's where everything has to start in the, in the humility aspect. And uh, you, know, you think of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the ones who are poor in spirit, they recognize that. Uh, We know James has much to say about um, the prideful versus the ones that are to be humble. And uh, you remember the uh, one who, uh, the Pharisee and the man who uh, was a a tax collector, right? And he was beating his chest saying, woe is me, you know, I I am a sinner. Um, And he recognized his sinfulness. And he was the one that was considered to be righteous rather than that so-called righteous Pharisee. So again, the the humility that's there. Quite a virtue, and that's where Paul starts. And he uses a lot of other words that are connected with it. The next one is, is gentleness, mild-spirited, uh, to be self-controlled, having power under control. You have the power, but uh, you, you have it in control. It would be the one that would not be vindictive. One who would want to get back at somebody. They've been attacked and they're going to go back and be just as vicious or even more vicious at getting back at them. Uh, it's it's an inner mildness. And it's used of wild animals which have been tamed, like a horse. A horse has been tamed. A horse has a lot of power, right? Horsepower. <laughs> that, that horse which has the power to be able to buck people off of him or to actually even kill people, once they have been trained and broken, we know that now you can take that horse and uh, put the bit in its mouth and control that horse and make it go wherever you want. The power is under control. And that's the idea of being gentle. And uh, again, if you go back to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, Five. Uh, the blessed are, the beatitudes. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. That's the same word, the same thought there. Blessed are the meek, or the, the gentle. And over and over, um, Jesus, who uses that in the Sermon on the Mount, will use it again. And uh, a notable one is in Matthew 11. Everybody knows this one. Let's sure. read it: it's Matthew 11:29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am what? Gentle. I am gentle. I ha- I have power under control. Um, that's that's where we can take our rest in, isn't it? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. There's the humble one, Christ. You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Comforting, isn't it? And uh, it's a fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Gentleness. Uh, we turn to Philippians chapter 4, verse 5. Just another passage. All throughout the epistles, you'll continue to see these words just mount up deep meaning here. This is the characteristics really of a a Christian. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. So there he says, make it be known. Make people know that you are gentle. Have it outwardly. Not just inwardly, but bring it forth. Moses was known as the most blank in all the earth. What was that word? Meek. Meek. That's found in uh, Numbers 12.3. and You can look in Proverbs and other passages. But anyway, that's, that's an I, the idea of gentle. So being humble, being gentle, not vindictive, having uh, the power to be able to do that, but controlling that, keeping uh, that from doing it. The next word is uh, kind of connected to those other ones. Humility or lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering. What would be the the Greek word for that? We keep stumbling upon this word. What was it? Patient. Patient. Macrothumia. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Long-tempered. Not giving over to... Pa- you have a passion just to, to rip right into somebody because they've done something. But it, it's related again to those other words. It's... Holding yourself in, in control for a long time. Not for just that moment and then come back, but it's being able to control it for a long time. Not giving any way uh, that you would have possible as far as, uh, as smashing something or demolishing something, getting, really, uh, getting mad and angry and going off. It's having a long fuse. Uh, patient is also used in the uh, oh, the illustration of Abraham. That's in Hebrews. Way back in Hebrews. I thought he was in the Old Testament. Hebrews 6. Illustration. And it's really about God, but it, within showing... Um, who God is. He shows that Abraham was made this way though too in being patient. For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying surely blessing I'll bless you and multiplying I'll multiply you. Here we go. And so after he, that's Abraham, had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. What promise? Isaac. Isaac. Now, there were more promises to come. We find out in Hebrews 11 he didn't even live to see those. But yet, that promise about Isaac, he did. And he was way past his age. So was Sarah. And it seemed like there shouldn't have been any kind of hope at all. But God made the promise. And so, therefore, Abraham was long-suffering, very patient, That was for a long time, wasn't it? Amazing. Um, Noah. Noah. Noah built a boat. After God told him to do that, how long was it? Wow! Over a hundred years. I think that's a little patient. (laughs) More than a little bit of patience. That's incredible. And that's especially when people would come by and make fun of him as he built the boat when there wasn't any water around. Remember that? Isaiah, God tells him, hey, uh, I'm going to send you out to the people, but there's only going to be a remnant that's going to listen to you. Very small. And uh, other people are going to make fun of you. They're going to persecute you. Uh, They're not going to listen to the message that I give you. Jeremiah, same way keep preaching the message, patient, patient. And so they were. How about Paul? Do you think he was a model of patience? Absolutely, right? In other words, characteristics of walking worthy is bearing with one another in love or forbearance. It may be circumstances. Maybe people don't respond to you in the way that you thought they should and you say, oh, that's a Christian I can't believe they acted like that. Sometimes we don't know what all is going behind the scenes there. Maybe they're being quiet about certain things and we start reading into it and uh, we might find out that uh, God has something else He's working out uh, and it might be that they have uh, physically they're not well or Maybe mentally, having quite a challenge, could be a lot of things. Uh, Maybe somebody has uh, done some kind of of sin uh, against you, and it's like throwing the blanket over somebody else's sin, not broadcasting it where everybody will know about it. Or, hey, look what they did to me. Um, It's taking abuse from others and still continuing to love them. These are hard things, aren't they? Matter of fact, they're impossible in the flesh. These are marks of a of a Christian, definitely marks of Christ, but this is what's been given to us. This is some of the stuff well this is some of the things that God has given us. We we, we can do this. We'll find out later it's all part of the fruit of the Spirit. First Peter four eight. Paul knew they were going to be Christians doing things against other Christians. And he says, well, here's how you respond if this happens to you. And above all things... Oh, that must be uh, something to listen to again. And above all things... That must be important, right? Have fervent love for one another. For what happens? Love will cover a multitude of sins. Wow. If we show our love like Christ did to us, um, it, a lot of that sin doesn't really have to be broadcasted out. We don't have to blast it out there. Uh, Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Love your enemies, even, right? Let's look at Proverbs. Proverbs ten twelve. 12. Lots of wisdom about this kind of stuff. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. So, a forbearance there. Taking abuse from others, uh, but still continuing to love them. This is how we walk worthy. This is how we walk worthy because of the calling that we have. We We do these things that... Go against our nature. This is this is hard stuff for an individual to do. That time. moving power, Christ. What's the uh, uh, the next one here? I think this is the fifth one. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. The word there, uh, endeavoring. It it really means to make haste to. Hurry to speed up, to be diligent, to be diligent to keep the unity of the spirit. Making haste to, and it's not just talking about friendship and fellowship and brotherhood here, but it's unity that is based upon doctrine. For we know this is what truth is, so therefore I'm going to keep the unity. And I, I like that word there, where it says keep. It doesn't say start. The unity or restart it it's that it is already there we can't make the unity and we'll see in a moment it's actually the spirit of God who does that he's the one who has given us this uh, this uh, unity what we do though with it is maintain it uh, we keep it up uh, uh, sometimes we can break it but the thing is it's always going to be God that that ultimately fix it but uh, we can't create it, and what happens is, um, well, back in the 80s, there was there's always this movement that goes about where you call it uh, ecumenical movement. That style, let's just all get along together, despite the incredible differences in doctrine. Well, I, I say, yeah, let's let's get along together. We shouldn't be uh, showing hatred for each other but we don't give up our doctrine of what truth, truth is compared to, to the Word of God either. It has to be based upon that. So it's not some kind of a faking kind of uh, keeping the unity of the Spirit. Um, but at the same time, we, we want to maintain it, to guard it, uh, to hold fast, uh, to, to preserve it. It's already there. And Christ already prayed for that too, didn't He? In John 17. What's that? He in
1: the body of Christ, right? uh
0: Keeping the unity. Uh second already Timothy covered
1: the other side. You gotta love your enemies. I was just thinking, Oh phew, that means I don't have to put everybody.
0: <laughs> it covers them all, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Let me
2: make it yeah, go ahead there. Uh, showing I'll read you out of my translation. Showing forbearance to one another in love and being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit. I think there is too much interest, too much emphasis on showing forbearance and to trying to preserve the unity. I just got through being in a meeting with a bunch of people. Oh, no. A uh, meeting? And after we had all of our discussion and it was over, the the comment was made, well, if this was really good. we had all this discussion and varying opinions and everything and nobody got mad or upset. We need to do this more often. See, what's wrong with that? Nobody changed their mind. Nobody Nobody confirmed to any truth at all the reason that it was such a successful meeting is that we preserved the unity and we showed forbearance to one another, but nobody changed their mind. The truth was, uh, I think of whether oh, Paul went up to the mount to talk to the uh, teachers and the ones that were portraying all these different philosophies and everything, he didn't leave that meeting and say, well, let's do it again next week. We had a good discussion. No, but they did. They did, yes. The Greeks
1: said, come on back, we'd like to hear some like more Yeah. this. like to hear more of
2: this, yeah. But yeah. he didn't enter into that. Huh. So yeah. reading this, he broke the unity and didn't preserve the the unity of the spirit because he didn't agree. Diligently
1: yeah. is the key I word. Think, the, top of the, uh, the object, the
2: word truth. The object mm-hmm. of the church is to preserve the unity. So to preserve the unity, we just kind of gloss over. We talk in generalities, but we don't talk about specifics. Because we
0: don't want to have to ruffle any feathers, we don't right? Want to yeah. Any feathers. We want
2: everybody to get along. Oh, this was the church. But I you're talking, talking about
1: that organized religious place.
2: No, I wasn't. These were all believers. I I guarantee them. I stand on their their testimony that they love Jesus Christ, every single one of. them. But there's a difference of opinion, right. and we talked on the things on the surface. And whenever we'd start to get into anything that was the Deeper than that, say, "Well, that's the way you view it. Uh, I look at it this way. We got to preserve the unity. Don't, don't get upset. Don't cause any arguments. Just stay on these surface things that we can all agree on. Yeah. Don't touch any of these other things." So what was the? I'm not going to tell you. what was the purpose of that?
1: Once the purpose was, like was that-
2: to discuss doctrine of what was true according to God's word and what wasn't.
1: That
2: nobody, nobody changed their mind, but it
1: only
2: went so far. Yeah, but nobody is able to say, "What about this passage?" Yeah, we did, but that's the way
0: you interpret it. Well, you know, and and Paul, just a few verses later, is saying exactly what you're saying in verse 13: "Until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man." To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we keep seeking that more and more. That we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craft and deceitful plotting. But and here's the key. By those
2: two verses, the church has utterly failed.
0: Yeah. Would you say that's why the body of Christ has so many false teachings and? Splinters and all sorts of divisions today because this has not been paid attention to. And and look where it leads to. Here's, here's how you do it. You speak the truth in love. <laughs> but that's that's what it is. If you don't speak the truth, yeah. yeah.
1: Did Martin Luther say, peace is at all possible, truth at all possible? He also said I think that he have seen the Antichrist at the Pope. I do not I, I
3: didn't see that. I saw that on Facebook, so I don't know if <laughs> <laughs> that's true or not. That's true. <laughs> so, I a that's covered with snow, you
1: know. So
3: with all of with, with all of this question I I guess it would be fair to ask this Question and, and, and I don't, I'm not sure it can be answered. You know, when do you go on the offensive? When do you start, for lack of a better word, you know, picking a fight? You know, I mean, I saw somebody who, you know, was was posting, you know, Joyce Meyer videos the other day. You know,
0: for or against? For.
3: You know, I mean, posting them saying, you know, oh, this lady's got it. She knows what she's talking about. You know, it's a relatively prominent member of the Christian community in this, you know, in this area.
2: She had 17,000 just recently in St. Louis.
3: Yeah, that's what I mean. So, you know, I mean, we know from our own searches and our own research that and I I think I can say comfortably in this room that she's a false teacher. There are other areas uh, or other groups of people where I probably would not say that and use that name. But we're warned against that and, and and Paul told Timothy to watch your doctrine closely. Now, does that mean watch your doctrine closely and don't mess with all these other people? You know, because I, I think we have to be careful when we go on the offensive. But speaking the truth, especially if you're not good at speaking the truth in love, which I'm not as good at, you know. Thank Maybe you. A lot of people are better at than I.
0: Yeah. A lot of the, the the balance the balance is uh, what it's about and sometimes you have to be really wise in choosing and picking the battles that you're going to be involved with because there are a lot of them going on starting in, in in the church though you want to make sure first of all okay is it dealing with doctrine in the in the in the local body I think if you start there if there is something that is definitely a disagreement. Here it's saying, okay, there's an equipping, there's there's pastor, teachers, uh, they're there to equip the saints, and, of course, the problem
2: in most
1: cases. A, so it something has to be solved, doesn't it? It has to be solved. I think the problem it is to you know, to let everybody express their opinion, and that's like what Elder was talking about, not being able to individually teach one of those people that he found, but like they would think the scripture says now to go back and have another at
0: least try to resolve, let's, let's sit down and let's reason let's take these scriptures rather than say okay everything's okay and, and we're still not in agreement say okay let's, let's at least look at it let's look at the scripture and see what it says why do you base your thought on that when this says this and sometimes who knows They may change our mind or we might be able to change their mind not always the case, but if the Holy Spirit is there and people are really willing and wanting that unity, I really believe that. And of course, I think if we look down into uh, verse four, when it says there's one body, there's one spirit, there's one, everything's one, one. There shouldn't be two or three or four or five different thoughts. If it's affecting the doctrine. Now there might be different angles that people might have, and you can say, "Well, okay, you know, I can understand where you're coming from. Okay, I'll, I'll let that alone there."
2: Compromise. Yeah. The truth is the truth. Somewhere or other, I
0: think. So, that's where everything starts there. If if something is truthfully wrong biblically, then we have to go for that. Uh, that's why there are there's the equipping uh, of the saints, and and that's. Part. That's what. The, that's how the church is to flesh that out in yeah, in there. You're
1: talking about humbleness and stuff like that, and that's got to be your attitude towards that. Does that you know, why did that? That's where you got to go back. i Talking about you get, you're mad and you become offended. But why are you becoming offended? First you have to say, hold it, that person really believes that, and I think scripturally, I think there is something. Then that's where you get. That's that humbleness, that you got to take it and to say, show me why you understand that. You let them. You, you know what I mean? You let them, mm-hmm. you let them That's what it goes to. But then you get to say it's insane, but I see this passage in that passage, and that's why I say it becomes a one-on-one with people. So if to do it group of people, and try to do with a group of people's minds, you will not do so. so but one, that's one, that's after good. you talk to the first one, you go to the first one and you have that discussion, it will be all around to the rest of them, and you will still look like a device. But you didn't change take it. You know, yeah, that's where you get a lot of the Lord
0: But come. because of these kind of texts, and that's why we're in where we're at, it it is it, this is meant to be carried out. It's it's all great and fine to say well that's right that, that's all lovely and we're to be humble and everything but people don't do it. Well that that person that just had that 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 goes around blasting to everybody else trying to make that person look bad. They're not following any of this, are they? Well, now we're not going to be one. As a, for instance, I
2: wasn't at this concert tonight. The they said there's was something like forty five hundred people there or something. Oh. Uh, 1,000, thousand forty five. Whatever, whoever was there, uh, they were all in agreement over <laughs> now no limit over some very general things. But I bet you could divide that group up into a hundred different groups if you start talking about oh, specifics.
3: Oh, real quick. <laughs> well, that yeah. the thing that I wanted to, to, to say. A couple of points is that, and and uh, you know what a, a old friend of mine, Steve Rickard, said: major on the major and minor on the minors and I think it was uh, Eldon, when I recorded him one time for uh, for a conference he was doing, he read uh, Second Timothy, at the end of Second Timothy, where he told them to preach the word in season and out of season because people will surround themselves with false teachers that tell them what they want to hear. And so when you have someone like a Joel Osteen or, or, a, or a Joyce Meyer, and you talk to women about Joyce Meyer, they're just like, oh, she's the best thing in the world. And the, and the funny thing about that is that I guess the way I'm going to have to conclude it in my mind because I can't do anything about it, it's only God who can. And that is that she's a motivational speaker, but she's a bad Bible teacher. And and the same thing with Joel Osteen. He's a motivational person. By the time he's done, man, you feel good. But he's just a bad Bible teacher. And like this thing last night with this, you know, with, with you know with, with, with Matt Barr where we would probably disagree. You know, when you pray to the saints, I mean that's idolatry. And making Mary out to be God is idolatry. But I can't stop him from his idolatry because of Second Timothy four. God has to grant that repentance.
0: Well, I can't.
3: I can't do it for yeah, him. Yeah, I've been
0: thinking about this since last week. You know, I was just thinking, okay, there he is. He's doing those kind of things. Now there, he didn't do that. Obviously, you'd never know him from any, anybody else. Yes. But I was thinking, OK, how would I ever approach that? Would I, have, as a member of the, as part of the crowd, go up there to him later and do that one? Well, no. But let's say if I'm on tour with him and I get an opportunity to sit down with Matt and say, "Hey, uh, I understand you, you like to, to get into some scripture, can, uh, can we turn to a couple of passages? Let's talk about forgiveness of sins. You know So let's talk about grace. And you go at, on a friend basis, but saying, let's let's get this as common between us. Let's see, what what are you saying here? Yeah. And that's probably uh, a way that you can do it. Uh, you know, if, if you don't ever see the guy again, uh, chances are you're gonna run into more people that are believing the same way that he does, that are family members, that you're gonna have more opportunities. He's probably not the one you're going to probably spend your time unless you get in an opportunity to to sit and chat. You know that'd be interesting if you got that opportunity. He had the time, you had the time. Okay, great, you can do that. But we're not going to we're not going to change everybody's mind. We have to pick what what is most important. I think it first starts with your own your own people of where you're at, um, and because it's hard enough with two people.
3: Well, we just brought it full circle because now said that he didn't change anybody's mind <laughs> so we had a good discussion
2: let's do it again ultimately it's
1: not the Holy Spirit that opens our minds true
2: is it is it
3: That's
1: a regular forum that they do just
0: sort of right. try to fine tune or was it actually this is a new brought <food and> <laughs> up that needed to be food? so it's and uh, yeah exactly what you're saying there it's it's not our opinion that we want to win. What we want is the Holy Spirit who has won. Uh, I understand there were like 70 elders. I don't know how many there are now. At one time out at Grace Community Church where John MacArthur is at. And at least at that time, I don't know how it goes now, but what they did is whenever they had a meeting, now think about 70 together and until they came to 100% agreement on that they did not make a decision now we're not talking about buying toilet paper or what we're going to paint the church you know but we're talking about uh you know some major decisions that a church is making they all had to be in agreement or they weren't going to make that decision until they did going to
1: buy for
0: the yeah something very you know it's very legitimate and important all the church business is important but but what we're saying is they realize that, okay, we have the Holy Spirit here, and why is this one person, you know, going against 69? Or why why is it a, a 36 versus 34? You know, the majority wins. That's not how anybody should ever vote. You should never have a majority vote in a church because that's saying that um, your leaders... Here are making decisions where other leaders are saying no, and why are they saying no? Well, they might be right in it, they might be wrong, but we don't operate on the on the basis of how the world does. if there is one spirit in the church, there should be absolute agreement on it until you know, and they need to sit there and hammer it out till they get it
1: right here, it's right here, yeah. You know, and, and, and so that's, that's when you become, I think, it becomes more powerful and it becomes Holy Spirit to people. They want to be Now, right. well,
0: here's the thing. Anytime you have people concerned, you're going to run into sin. Mm-hmm. You're going to run into the flesh. And if people are concerned, okay, I want the Holy Spirit to lead here. They're all going to say that. All your leaders should say that. <laughs> and if they're not, then they shouldn't be there anyway. But uh, this this is hard stuff. And I think it's impossible to really work out unless people are being led by God's Spirit. Let, let's all pray. Let's make sure that we want what He wants, not what I'm bringing in here. And that's why the, the next statement is brought out here. By the way, the keeping the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The bond of peace is the belt that holds us all together. And uh, we're, there are always going to be disagreements. But if, if one is humble... Then they're going to go about it in the right way, at least saying, "Hey, I'm not trying to do this for myself, but I think this is what Scripture is saying. Let's let's beat it out here. Maybe I'm wrong, but let, let's go through Scripture and let let it talk and let's let the Holy Spirit lead here. If people could do that, but they don't, at least in the in not always. Some churches do.
2: What I uh, closed this meeting with that I was talking about was I told these two people. Uh, I challenge you to lay aside all your preconceived ideas of what you just got through sharing with me and read this scripture, and I gave them two chapters, and see what it says. See if you can make it agree with what you say you believe. I don't think you can find that there. So they were left with reading that scripture, however they were.
0: Well, now that's that's where you're supposed to take it. Now it's up to them and the Lord, isn't it?
1: Yeah.
0: Well, if it's elders, they sh- uh, and it's anybody, any Christian, but if if you have people leading the church, they should be filled with the spirit. And if they're not at the time, if they're filled with sin, then they have no business being in that meeting until they are uh and And you look down through church history whenever you would have elders or leaders of churches getting together that was the whole whole idea that uh, they would be under the leadership of of the lord and that's that's why it's it, when it goes into verse four uh, he says there is one body i mean there are not uh more bodies you know but the thing is sin always wants to put itself in the center and that's, that's a problem Ourself, and it's hard to deal with but we know that the Holy Spirit does do that and uh, so this, this is hard it's hard keeping the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace again that's something that, that God has done What Paul does as he moves into verses 4 through 6 is he now starts giving the reasons why we should keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace in all what we've been dealing with. And it's concerning the doctrine of the church. And here again, we go, we have to go back to that truth. And Paul later is going to get, get to that. It always has to be based on truth, though. Truth and love. You can't have one without the other, can you? Yeah um he uses a metaphor for the church here body and he's done that before in this epistle already in chapter 2 he used it as a kingdom remember that then he used it as a family and as a temple so a kingdom a family a temple now we see the metaphor of the body and then later on in chapter 5 the bride so good pictures, good metaphors to kind of get a handle of. When you think of the body, all the parts in the body are are different. Okay, we know that. First Corinthians 12 will cover that. But they do different things. They do different functions. But all are one. They belong together. You know, the foot doesn't look like the nose. But at the same time, they're all in this together. They look totally different. They have different functions. But yet... You need both. <laughs> you need all of these, right? And they're absolutely essential. Every part is. So keeping that, that unity, what it's going to do, it's going to manifest the Trinity. It's going to manifest the unity of the triune God because that's absolute perfect unity. And we strive for it. And like what Eldon's talking about, that, that issue may be settled or it may not ever be settled. And if it's not, well, that would probably be a shame that it's not. Um, but the, the thing is, is God can make the church not only stronger, but that church now can manifest the truth and the love that the Trinity has in a more visible way. Uh, I think we have to see ourselves as members of the church rather than seeing ourselves as individuals. And I know a lot of people be upset about that. But we're placed into a body and we are in a very important body. It's the body of Christ. And it bothers me when people are absent from church a lot. They're absent from the rest of the body a lot. And there can be a lot of good reasons why, uh, so we don't have to, to worry about that. But whenever that happens, it's saying that that's not quite as important to me as other things. And so if we see ourselves as members of this body, and the body needs us, if we really take this literally the way that I think that it's put out, we'd see how important it is. We would see less of ourselves and we would see other people and how it works. Uh, yeah, Bill.
3: Well, I think in, in what, you're, what you're getting at there is one of the essentials of body life, if you will. That's what this. That's a good title, body life. It's living in, in community. You know, you don't just go... To- intimately involved in other people's lives you know praying for them ministering to them you know holding them accountable I mean whatever it might be whatever you whatever you feel most comfortable with as far as community and body life and I think that you found a lot of that in that in, at the end of that David Platt book you know the commitment to community and um, because because really you know today it's you know before where do you go to church well I go here. You know, um, and, and the rest of it, you know, just has to be, you know, being involved, you know, with each other, you know, in community. Instead of what I think someone used the term Long Ranger Christians, you know, one time, where they just they go to church, they do their thing, but.
1: No as accountability. As soon
3: as the benediction's done, man, yeah, they're gone. Yeah. You know, and uh, you never get to know them, you never, get, you know, you never figure out who they are or what they're. The and
0: they don't want. A lot of times, they don't yeah. want to open the door to let you in.
3: You know, and in fact, not moving too far off the subject, but I was talking to somebody one time. and said, "Well, that's why people, these young people these days, have so many tattoos and so many piercings. They are trying to look intimidating so that you don't talk to them. They don't want to talk to you. They don't. They do not want you to be a part of it. you or anybody else to be a part of their lives. And so they try to look intimidating." And some people really do. I mean there's there's people that I, I just you know they're
0: looking, Okay. You know. <laughs> they're making a statement, right? Is that what's happening? Yeah. Well, one body. How many churches are there? There's really only one, isn't there? It's only one church. Now the Roman Catholic Church would probably say, Yeah, we're the one <laughs> But there's only one true, true body of Christ. There's only one church. It's unseen. We've talked about that the, the invisible, the spiritual one. There's only one body. It's made up of all types of people and all kinds of people, all colors, all nations, spread out all over the world through the ages. And, you know, when we think of it that way, self really isn't that important. It's being that member in the body that's what is important. There's seven listed here in this one body, one spirit, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. And it's interesting. I don't want to make too much out of this. I was reading expositors. I'm really careful about numbers. This, this number means this and that. Um, it could be, you know, seven a lot of times um, biblically people will say that it, that's a perfect number which I think there probably could definitely be something to that and as I look at this you've got the triune God definitely involved it starts with the spirit uh, one body one spirit one hope you're calling then you get Christ one Lord one faith one baptism and then one God and Father and uh, most of your guys will divide that up and still put it together as one and one is the key here it's organic uh, this church grows. You know, its um, uh, number here is, is is as as you look at it here. It's the whole design of God. And so, when you when you think of uh, the Baptist body, the Methodist body, and the Episcopal body, and the Lutheran body, and all that, and there's only one body. We get so hung up on that. And then within a church. And I'm not trying to blast this. I, you know, you've got to take this with a grain of salt. But sometimes I think we are guilty in the la- about the last hundred years or so of dividing up in the church. You have this age group, and you have this age group, and then you have the males and the females. So they divide there. And you divide everybody up into their certain groups, and you don't really come together. We are individually in little groups. And we are guilty of dividing so easily. And there's a proper time, you know, when young people get together. That's that's fine. I'm not saying that that is, but yeah. Like we we have young people here, right? Real young guys, and then we have older people. I think that's great. That represents it. I love it when they all get together. In the New Testament, you never see divisions like that. But that's the way that I think our Our mindset is in the time that we live in, and uh, the world does things like that, so that's what we do. But whatever race people come from, whatever creed, whatever culture, whatever background, temperament, whatever it is, language, uh, you become a Christian and and you link up with the the rest of the body regardless of all this. Uh, There's one family in heaven and earth, one one church. and sometimes it's hard to, for me to get past it, but I, I know there are um, uh, there are charismatics out there, and um, there's a, some theology issues that I have um, to deal with, and um, I try to get past that in the sense, okay, if that person is really a true Christian, I'm part of the same body they are, but there's a part of my flesh that really doesn't want to identify. Well, with where they're at, because <laughs> I know, and I can take other groups and do the same thing. Um, but if they're true Christians, hey, that's my brother, that's my sister. I'd love to be able to take some time and sit down and, and uh, use the Scripture, you know, with them. But that usually, I don't have enough time to do that usually, or they don't. Or, but we all are all in the same body, in one body. There can be a superficial ecumen, ecumenism that I think that what people like to do and that's just kind of what we were talking about, but you know, included in the body. We we sometimes separate ourselves from the early church. Well that was those guys back then. But they're part of the body. Uh or go back to Abraham. Yeah. Go back to all the believers in the old testament. We're all in this together. You know, we were relate to these guys. How about the reformers? We can definitely relate to them. They are in the body with us, the puritans we 're in the same body with them, even though we 're separated by a few hundred years we 're in that same body, the covenanters you know out of out of Scotland, same body. the church spans all the ages, and there we are we 're in this together I, I think it's just over overwhelming when you think of it how great it is. Um, the problem with us is that it always starts with ourselves we're we are always battling. All sorts of divisions and all sorts of way that things are divided up. We're, we're too subjective, you know. We we look at our, ourselves too much. And then what the sin does? It, it takes the self, puts it right into the center, and we uh, that's where we're at. But uh, we're units that fit into this tremendous mystical body. Uh, obvious one is First Corinthians twelve. And this is 1 Corinthians this time. If I've gotten confused with Ephesians, because there's no Ephesians 12. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And so then he goes out and gives a list of gifts there. But he's talking about here, uh, you you all are part of this. And um, we we always have to be reminded, a church is is a new creation. You know, it's, uh, it's diverse in its unity. Boy, how diverse it is. But the unity is still based upon the doctrine. And so you can have all sorts of different backgrounds and the different, and, and you can relate to that. Like that, that Sergey, I got another email from him again today from Russia. And he's filling me in a little bit more. Now he's giving me a little bit of background where they came from. And he became uh, Calvinist in his theology in 1990. Uh, he came up through uh, a group that was very Arminian. And he uses that word, too. And um, a lot of his people then started dividing uh, over that issue. And the reason they were dividing is because they were fighting with with truth. And people didn't like that. Well, they had quite a membership uh, back not too long ago. I forgot what it was, 150-something.
3: I thought it was 135. Yeah. Down to about twenty seven now yeah
0: <laughs> because of the, of the theology uh because of Calvinism but it was based okay. uh they were based upon on uh, god's wow. grace and he says they 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 will use the word grace, but he says they do not practice it or, or it's the, the um, sovereign grace is not something they really believe in, even though they say it. Well, that sounds familiar to us, doesn't it? And the moment you really start talking those kind of truths, it will shatter the church. And they didn't do it on purpose, but the thing is, they had to get down to the the brass tacks. What the real issue was is it is it a man-centered gospel, and he uses that versus a god-centered gospel. And so that's that's what happened. Anyway, uh, the diversity though that we have here, this this man does not speak English. He's using a translator through the internet. And so we don't know each other, but he did send some pictures. But he said don't send them out over the internet because they might get in trouble. They're still even though the wall has gone down, they still can suffer some persecution by the government there. So he was kind of protecting his church, huh? Uh, Well, we didn't really mention anything where they're from. But Um, good thought, though. (laughs) But but there's the church. You know, we don't we don't see them. Yeah, a total different language, total different country, a different part of the world, but yet we're in, in agreement on major issues. Like Bill was saying, the major issues really count. If we can't agree on those, we've, we have problems. The
1: economics of everything, everything so much, Yeah. you're still to the
3: Yeah. I also think that majors can become, well, I mean, individual majors can become majors and minors can become majors. I mean, because I used to think in the charismatic realm um, that speaking in tongues was a, was a pretty big deal. Um, but when I've come to understand some of the theology that goes on with the charismatic movement and that you can lose your salvation, that's,
0: when that's what's important, more that's important than talking about the tongues. So
3: if you want to go off and speak in tongues, just go ahead, but don't teach that you can lose your salvation. What about the character of God? People. Yeah, that
0: yeah. messes people up. Okay. I, I, couldn't we say something like there are, um, well, the majors and the minors, I guess, um, uh, secondary issues that people can still, they can they can battle, but then there are primary issues that are very key. And
2: uh, well, We make, a, I think, even here... I uh, just say it, we make a major issue of the reform movement. Uh, I got saved as a Armenian. I never got saved again when I become reformed. That salvation yeah. was good. Even when I was an Armenian.
0: Despite that.
2: <laughs> so if the, if their church in Russia divided over this, it was probably a group of Christians dividing from a group of Christians over something.
0: And, um, of course, that's been done for hundreds of years. It will continue to do it.
2: Because I've been an Armenian, I've been a charismatic, and I've been a reformer. And I was saved during all that by the same Lord that saved me in the first place.
0: One Lord, one faith.
2: Under Billy Graham's ministry. Uh, what? <laughs> But Fathom under, that. His, under his ministry, I was saved because I heard the word of God that said, For all have sinned. And for the first time in my life, that applied to me. Yep. But it was his ministry, as Armenian as you can get.
0: I think probably, i got a feeling every one of us came, uh, w- were Armenians first. I think every one of us in here. I, I, I don't know. If, well, I don't know. You guys probably weren't. Come to think about it, that's right. you that's right. This no <laughs> you just thought all this was natural stuff. And and Zach too, I guess, right? That's yeah. all yeah. But I guess sorry so sorry about that. But the rest of us, we all came from don't, that kind of stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Unity. Unity Pride. Yeah.
0: Well anyway, we'll we'll stop there and um that one body. We'll go into the one spirit because that's he's the one that puts the body together and he's the one that's uh, so important in it. But that's how natural it is for all of us to there's always the the division thing is always there. That's why Paul always has to bring it up in every epistle. If you ever see it, the real reason why God is doing all this is that there will be ultimately in the end absolute unity. He's going to put all things together as one. And so we're always
1: <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah
2: well that's pride if I ever heard